after our one day break of not talking about Indiana football, uh, we kind of have to go back to it and and continue to digest what is wrong with this team. Where did things go so awry? So brought in a special friend to help me talk about this uh, on today's episode. You are Locked On Hoosiers, your daily podcast on the Indiana Hoosiers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, guys? It is Thursday, October 7th. This is, as always, Locked On Hoosiers. Thank you guys for making us your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On Hoosiers is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at Locked On Hoosiers. I'm your host, as always, Jacob Rude. As I said, we have a special guest with me today, uh, former Crimson Quarry colleague, former Crimson Quarry. Uh, the podcast was good co-host Austin uh Austin but uh I I I had to put this down I made a note of it what what was the reaction when Kyle Schwarber hit a bomb against your Yankees last night ah um well luckily I was at work so I wasn't watching Uh, I was out covering a high school volleyball match so I just got the update on my phone and I just kind of made a face and (laughs) kept it kept it all inside that's um it's kind of the theme of the Aaron Boone era. Um, make a face, keep it all inside. I uh, I did not warn you that I had to throw that little dig in there. We mentioned it on uh, yesterday's episode, the absolute moonshot Kyle Schwarber had. Uh, that'll be the last time I mention it, but I had to get Thank one you. in there. Thank you. <laughs> the uh, As I said, we are talking IU football today, specifically – I mean, the biggest thing to talk about with football right now is uh, Michael Penix's injury uh, and how that ties into how much the offense has struggled, whether bringing in Jack Tuttle kind of fixes that, and then just kind of the outlook for the season as we start to look forward and figure out uh, how much of this is salvageable. As I mentioned, make sure you guys uh, are subscribed to us wherever you listen to podcasts especially on YouTube as well. We appreciate your support over there. We're on Twitter at LO underscore Hoosiers and on Instagram at Locked on Hoosiers. Obviously, the news on Monday, as we mentioned this week, not good, obviously, not the worst-case scenario with Michael Penix's injury. An AC separation in his left shoulder puts him at a week-to-week timeline. I'll just start off there with just kind of what your initial – reaction was to to the injury to the diagnosis and and just kind of what your thoughts were on that man I, I just to see that guy go down again and go to the locker room again and hear that he's out again it, it just my heart went straight to my knees man it didn't even stop at my stomach it, it just it really was just such a bummer because you know, he's been in the program long enough now, and he's, you know, been such a great player when he's been on the field. And this is now the the fourth time this has happened. And it's just like, at some point, you have to feel for him as a human being. It's not even, oh, you know, my, my football team's quarterback is hurt. You know, we, we might not do as well in this game now. It's, you, you just got to feel bad for him as a man, because that that's just, it's so brutal. It's so tough for him. And I just, that was really just kind of my first reaction, just like, I can't believe this happened again. 
that poor dude, I, I just, I wouldn't wish it on anybody, especially somebody who, you know, is such a tremendous, you know, has been such a tremendous part of this program, you know, a, a really big, you know, part of building this program over the last few years. I'd said a couple times during the uh, kind of preseason when I would appear on podcasts that Michael Penix was as much of a face of kind of this turnaround for the Hoosiers as anybody was. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, Tom Tom Allen off the field is that face, but on the field it had been Penix. And that sentiment you had is exactly what Jared and I said on Tuesday's episode when we kind of reacted to this, is that like more than anything, you just feel bad for him as a man, as a person, if anybody deserved a break in on this team and almost college football as a whole, it's Michael Penix for everything he's went through. As you said, this is the fourth time he's had kind of a major injury. This one isn't necessarily season ending uh, yet. Tom Allen kind of left open the possibility that it could require surgery if the rehab doesn't work. But even still, it's a fourth major injury he's had in as many years just a brutal, brutal blow for him, just as a person, as you said. And that that's what when it when it happened, they had already mentioned during the game that he was struggling with a knee injury to his knee that wasn't even the surgically repaired one. He immediately, almost immediately injures his shoulder after that. And it's just like, give the kid a break. <laughs> like, come on, football gods. This kid's this kid's been through enough. Like, give him a break. Let him get through this. But, I mean, it it was noticeable all season long that he wasn't the Michael Penix we knew because of those injuries. I mean, to you, Mm -hmm. how much of the the struggles of this offense fell at his feet? Well, I mean, I don't know if I'd put it on him as much as I'd put it on just everything. I mean, when a group is that catastrophic of a failure as this offense has been through the first – you know, five weeks of the season, that's not just one person. There's not just one problem there. It's everything. I, I mean, I, I looking around, I mean, the only thing, the only person I would say who has been consistently not terrible, you know, maybe even sort of impressive over the first five weeks of the season is Stephen Carr. I, I mean, yeah. he's he's the one person who I look at and I'm like, okay, you know what? it's it's fine you know I have no gripes with you I, I mean the offensive line is has been porous uh you, you know the Ty Freifogel tremendous receiver was you know the best in the Big Ten last year he's had his struggles you know just up and down the board I mean Nick Sheridan calling plays interesting decisions at times uh interesting scheme there that he's gone with uh it's just I mean, sure, you, you could say that, you know, if Mike Penix was playing out of his mind like he was before he got hurt last year, you know, maybe all of those problems go away. But it shouldn't necessarily be on Michael Penix having to come out and be some sort of, you know, football god to come and save the rest of you. You know, it, it should be a, a group effort. It should be a collective, which is what it felt like, you know, when this offense was successful over the last two years. You had these different pieces that all meshed together and you, found success through that I I mean you can put some of the blame here on you know the fact that maybe Michael Penix wasn't this or wasn't that but at the end of the day it's just been so so bad for so much of this season I have a hard time saying that it's this one person's fault yeah it's it's been interesting because I've kind of 
looked back on last season and wondered uh, if, like, what happened between last season and this season? Because uh, Nick Sheridan was there last season, and we didn't have these same issues. Um, the offensive line struggled last season, and to me, the only biggest difference was how good Penix was, and clearly, I think he covered up a lot of this team that team's faults that when he isn't at 100% this season, which, again, through no fault of his own, uh, those faults appear a lot more. There's a, a friend of ours who is a Michigan State fan who I was kind of talk. we were kind of talking to about what happened, and he mentioned that good quarterback play can cover up a lot of things and that he saw it happen with Kirk Cousins and Connor Cook uh, for a long time uh, for Michigan State. And I think that was ultimately the case last season. So when he isn't 100% this season and all sorts of other things kind of cascade with that, uh, it's hard to point your finger at one thing. Obviously, Penix is kind of the head of all that. And his decisions or his mistakes, I should say, maybe were the loudest because just the nature of being a quarterback. But he was constantly under pressure. His receivers were constantly dropping passes. The play calling has constantly been questionable, as you said. So it's a matter of a lot of things going wrong and Penix having the physical kind of limitations he had in trying to get back, the mental hurdles I'm sure he's had to clear to get back. Uh, it all just kind of added up into the mess that was Saturday. Uh, now we have Jack Tuttle taking the reins. And we, I don't know how much it changes things. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. Before that, though, uh, the Hoosier offense didn't seem to work up a sweat on, on Saturday. But in case they do sometime in the future, we have a product for them. Uh, sweat block antiperspirant ripes are doctor-created, doctor-recommended, simple product. I've used it. I For whatever it's worth, I recommend it as well. Uh, it's a simple solution to kind of an embarrassing problem. Simply at night, take your antiperspirant wipe, apply it, go to bed, wake up the next morning, no more armpit sweat for the next seven days is their guarantee. They also have a dry shirt guarantee where if it doesn't keep your shirt dry, you'll get your money back. It's a product that's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show. It's been a bestseller on Amazon for 10 years has over 13,000 reviews, currently the number one product on Amazon's antiperspirant category. There's there's really no reason you guys shouldn't give it a try, especially when we have a 20% off promo code for you. Head on over to sweatblock.com, use promo code locked on to get 20% off. That is locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off, as we mentioned, also available at Amazon and CVS. Thanks again for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen of the day, guys. We're going to talk about Jack Tuttle and kind of where the Hoosier offense goes from here. Before we do, or after we do that, I should say, make your second listen of the day, Locked on Raptors. We were just sitting here discussing the NBA preseason OG and Anobi tore it up in the preseason opener for the Raptors, 21 points uh, on Monday. So head on over there, uh, take a listen, see how OG is doing. One of my favorite 
Uh, Hoosier's another guy who had terrible injury luck uh, while in Bloomington. But go over there, give them a listen, see what OG season is going to be like. Also, shout out to Victor Bezerra tonight. For those that didn't see it, IU wins in double overtime against Omaha. Uh, we talked about the men's soccer struggles on Wednesday's podcast. Took him to double overtime, but with 21 seconds left in the game, he scores the, the golden goal winner and uh, saves IU from another frustrating, frustrating performance. So shout out to him as well. Let's talk Jack Tuttle because even prior to Penix's injury, uh, the calls for Jack Tuttle had grown louder and louder on Saturday. Similar to, to the first segment, just what are your thoughts on Jack Tuttle and just what what does he bring to this offense now? Well, you know, you as you mentioned, there had been calls for Jack Tuttle for weeks at this point. And the first thing that stuck out to me was, shockingly, putting in Jack Tuttle didn't fix everything. It wasn't there wasn't an on switch in the form of Jack Tuttle for the Hoosier offense. I people made it seem like it would be that way, but shockingly, when you know your offensive line play is bleh and your receivers are underperforming and you know the play calling is here and there, shockingly, you know, a new quarterback who's not as talented without as high of a ceiling as the first guy comes in, it's not just gonna make everything better. Uh, I mean, he comes in on the first play. He gets body slammed by, you know, a Penn State defensive lineman. It was, yeah. it was, it, I didn't think that it would happen that quickly, but um, yeah, it kind of showed right off the bat that this isn't going to be an easy fix for the Hoosiers. Uh, looking at Jack Tuttle, uh, you know, just in a, in a vacuum, I, I think that he brings stuff to the table as, you know, he's not Mike Penix. He's not going to go out there and drop bombs and he's not going to go out there and rack up you know 400 yards with you know five touchdowns and he's he's not the guy that you put at quarterback if you know you're looking to take risks if you're looking to go out there and, and try to shock the world um that being said though he's a backup quarterback uh which he has been for you know most of his career and for being a backup quarterback Jack Tuttle is a very good player. He might be the best backup quarterback in the Big Ten. I'd say he's at least among the best three. Uh, and he's that because he comes in and he manages the offense. He runs it. You know, he you don't have to worry about Jack Tuttle making mistakes. He comes in. He gets the job done. He doesn't go above and beyond. He's not, you know, there's a reason why he's not the starter. But at the same time, I think that he definitely – brings he'll keep the Hoosiers afloat just like he did last year you know we saw him come in last year and in the games he played he played well uh you know I would say that you know he was he didn't go out there and win games for the Hoosiers but he didn't need to because he had a team around him that was capable of going out there and winning games yeah that you touch on a couple similar points I I simply wrote he's a terrific backup uh because, as you said, he's one of the better ones in the Big Ten. I cl I certainly do not have enough knowledge of the Big Ten to know where he ranks in that, but he has to be one of the better ones. Uh, he had those performances last season we saw against Wisconsin where uh, he threw he only threw for 130 yards, but he threw two touchdowns. Uh, the one to Wap failure was a great touch pass in the back of the end zone. And then the Ole Miss game, he battles through a separated shoulder, uh, 
it was gritty, even if it wasn't pretty. Nothing about that game was pretty. But still, as you said, I think when it comes to Jack Tuttle, he can raise the floor of this team, even if it might lower the ceiling of it as well. Uh, he's not the dynamic, like, superstar potential talent that Michael Penix is, but he's certainly a viable quarterback. Um, he typically doesn't make mistakes, albeit he had one of the weirdest, ugliest interceptions uh, against Penn State. I will, for now, chalk that up to not playing with the first team, though that throw was so odd that I don't know that you could even count that as a miscommunication. I'm not really sure what happened there, but how much does it change kind of this offense uh, having Tuttle in over Penix, especially in the current state of it where I think Tuttle is a, a would be a really good kind of game manager type of quarterback. Can he do that with the how this offense currently is? Well, the interesting thing here is that if you look at the way that Nick Sheridan called plays when Michael Penix was in, and then you look at the first handful of plays he called with Jack Tuttle, I, I stood up. I was hanging out with our pal Alex Robbins. I stood up and I screamed, why weren't you calling these plays when Penix was in the game? Uh, I mean, you look at the way that you know he called multiple, just one read stick routes to Peyton Hendershot. Get you five yards, get you in rhythm. It keeps you ahead of the chains. And he completed, I, I believe it was three of them. It was three or four, I believe. And it's just quick, easy, simple plays. Gives you a big target. Peyton Hendershot is a dynamic player. And it just gets you yards. I think that the thing is, is that with Jack Tuttle in the game, Nick Sheridan isn't going to get greedy anymore. It's not going to be, you know, these. he's not going to be dialing up these complicated uh, you know, long developing plays where he's trying to get all of these yards. He's going to start calling these five yard stick routes to Peyton Hendershot. He's going to start calling, you know, hopefully, you know, little drag routes to uh, Javon Swinton or, or whomever uh, may be in the slot. He's going to be kind of changing a little bit of the philosophy because you kind of have to when you shift from a Penix to a Tuttle. You, you can't really say, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to play Bruce Arians, you know, no risk it, no biscuit, but only after we pick up two yards on first down by running the ball every single first down, you know? So it's interesting that, you know, Jack Tuttle is not Mike Penix. He's not as talented as Mike Penix. He doesn't bring as much to the table as Mike Penix. The ceiling is not as high, but I do think, like you said, it raises the floor where I believe that because of Tuttle's presence within that offense, things are going to get simple. And over the first five weeks of the season, the Hoosier offense needs more simple. And no, that is not running the ball on first down. Throw the darn ball. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here, but throw the darn ball. Darn will work. for. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was the, the frustrating thing in multiple regards is uh, those quick little routes to get Tuttle in rhythm having come in right away because Sheridan himself had said after either the first or second game of the season, I think the first game of the season, he said they need to do a better job of getting Penix in rhythm. And yeah. it never felt like they did that. <laughs> like um, the closest he was to being in rhythm was that Western Kentucky game. And it required him to throw the ball like a career high number of times. So, 
it it was frustrating it was odd but in some sense it was encouraging because i think if they play an offense like that with quicker reads with quicker developing plays you can't sit behind this offensive line and wait for these longer plays longer routes longer developing plays whatever it is you can't do that with this offensive line so if you're able to do some quicker things uh just to pick up three four five yards like that get ahead of the chains then i think you can solve a lot of problems of this offense i also think that's probably where jack tuttle is at his best is to do simpler things like that manage the game he like we said he doesn't make mistakes and i think this offense could really flourish if they're able to do that or if nick sheridan will call the plays like that it remains to be seen whether he will because he's talked about putting his quarterback in a better position and getting them in rhythm and it didn't happen uh previously so be interesting to see how they handle that uh, coming up on next Saturday against Michigan State. Now, that game suddenly is a lot harder than it looked like coming into the season. I certainly didn't expect Michigan State to look this good. And really, the Hoosiers' schedule in general is harder heading into this kind of second half, so to speak, of the, the season. So, we're going to talk whether these expectations need to be adjusted and kind of how what success will look like now for this Hoosier team in just a moment. Before that, though, uh, our friends over at Rock Auto are able to help you, no matter if you have a Ford or a Fiat. Uh, why, do, why go to a local auto parts chain store, stand in line during a pandemic, all for them to tell you they don't have to part and they're going to have to order it anyway? Go to rockauto.com, skip all that hassle, save some time, save some money while you're doing it. It's a family-owned and operated business, serving do-it-yourselfers for 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. Go explore their easy-to-use website, find a solution for all your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car, right locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Also, our friends at Bet Online, uh, the big, big 10 game this week, obviously, is Penn State at Iowa. Uh, Austin, I'm going to read some numbers here for you. Iowa is a minus one favorite. Uh, the money line is Iowa minus 125, Penn State plus 105 with an over under a 41. Keep those in mind for just a minute. Uh, Bet online is the number one spot for pro and college football action this season. Uh, it's an updated site. They have new odds, new props, new contests. They're your, no- your number one source for college football, everything football, really. Head to the website today, sign up, use promo code Locked On, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They are giving you free money. So whether it's football, playoff baseball, basketball starting up, boxing, MMA, whatever it is, don't wait to take advantage of everything BetOnline has to offer. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Austin, does one of those bets stick out to you uh, more than the rest? I would have to say Iowa minus one. I, I mean, 
they're at Kinnick Stadium. And as we've seen over the course of however many seasons now, when they're at home, they're just a completely different beast. I mean, we saw what they did to Indiana, which, you know, now looking back at it a month later, it looks not quite as bad as it felt at the time. You know, we saw what they did to Maryland. And I, I just I think that this Hawkeyes group is really, really good. Uh, and I think that, you know, looking at Penn State, I wasn't overly impressed when they played Indiana. I mean, they're a good football team. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Indiana didn't look very good either. And it was, you know, it wasn't, a, a you know, over it wasn't a head and shoulders blowout. It, it was, you know, I mean, obviously 24 nothing. But, you know, um, I, I'm going to have to go Hawkeyes. I mean, and you get minus one. That's a pretty good line. I'm taking Hawkeyes all the way on that. Yeah, I, I think I'm leaning Iowa on this. Their defense is really, really good, as mm-hmm. you found out firsthand in week one. Uh, as you said, that loss doesn't look quite as bad as it felt, but it sure would be nice if IU stopped playing top 10 teams this season. Doesn't look like it's necessarily going to happen, though, because uh, IU obviously is in their probably their most brutal stretch of the season. Honestly, it's hard to pick one that's worse than the rest. These first five games have three against top 10 teams. Their next four games are against three top 11 teams currently. So Michigan State, number 11 on Saturday, honestly was surprised they were ranked that high. Uh, Then you have Ohio State, number seven at home on the 23rd. That game is already sold out. You have a brief break with Maryland uh, on the road, and then you travel to the big house. Where does IU kind of go from here? Is the 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 thing Jared and I have talked about is kind of where the ceiling of this team was for a long time. I said it was eight and four. I don't know that I can make that argument anymore. So where does IU kind of go from here? I mean, after that performance against Penn State you, you kind of have to go up. I, I mean, I'm sure yeah. things can always, things can always get worse. This is Indiana football. There could be a comet that strikes Memorial stadium <laughs> tomorrow. And I wouldn't be surprised because God has turned his back on the Indiana Hoosiers. He did it many, many years ago. Um, as Spencer Hall has tweeted famously, God hates Indiana football. Um, but after that performance at Penn state, you have to go up. I, I mean, it was, it was bad. So, you know, you mentioned the ceiling. I think that the ceiling for this team, you can still get two, seven, eight, nine wins. Maybe if you add in bowl season, I, this team has just got so much talent, you know, and and they've got this talent has the track record over the last two years. They've had success in this program with these players. It's not like, you know, you've got a bunch of, you know, fresh faces in here. These are, the guys that we've gotten to know over the last couple of years that have been two of the more successful in decades for Indiana. So I, I think that this team still has a chance to get to, you know, seven, eight, nine wins. They just have to, you know, kind of pull their heads out of their rears and, you know, start playing football again instead of doing whatever it was that they did at Penn State. So the path to six wins is where I'll start because that's still a pretty, relatively speaking, easy path. Also, Mm -hmm. I literally was looking up the tweet as you were saying that, as you mentioned, Spencer Hall with uh, 
Uh, every day should be Saturday. I don't think it's overstating the case to say that God hates Indiana football and always will. Tweeted that in October of tw- October of 2018. I can't tell you how many times I've retweeted that tweet just in that span alone. But uh, the path to six wins still is relatively easy because you you would need to beat Maryland, who even in College Park, I would imagine IU is going to be favored. Uh, and then Rutgers is going to be at home. Minnesota is going to be at home. Two games that I still expect IU to be favored, although. I hate to say it, Rutgers looked at least decent against Michigan. Uh, and then a Purdue game that IU should be favored as well. The question is, can they win four of their last five games? And also the pressure that's going to come with that, because those are all going to be must-win games, most likely at that point. If you throw in an upset against Michigan State or Michigan, that not only alleviates some of the pressure, especially of those last three games, but it also makes this season look a lot better Uh, because as you said, this team has so much talent, which is why it's been so frustrating and deflating uh, these first five weeks, this first month of the season is it's a lot of names that we're familiar with that are not performing at a level that we've seen before. Uh, Penix obviously was one of them. Ty Freifogel you mentioned earlier has struggled mightily. It's been really odd to see how unreliable he is uh, or has been. And uh, Peyton Hendershot has obviously stepped up, though. But guys like Miles Marshall has have been virtually non-existent. Um, Javon Swinton, who had moments last year, hasn't done a lot. Same with Jacoby Hewitt. So this offense is full of guys that we know we've seen perform well but haven't been able to do that this season. So – think that's what's made this frustrating and the hope the belief is at some point those guys are positively regressed to the mean and you would imagine that there'll be some bounce back performances but again this is a brutal stretch of games that they're coming up against to hope for those bounce back performances uh is so is the bowl game still i think it's obviously still possible how likely is it, do you think, we'll wrap up here, that IU gets to a bowl game? Uh, I was looking when their last game was. It's right after Christmas. November 27th, are we talking about IU in a bowl game? I think at this point, you know, I, I still, you know, as this kind of first five weeks has been going along, you know, there have been people who have been quick to jump to, you know, the sky is falling. This isn't working. You know, the, the, these are generally your uh, Jack Tuttle truthers. Um, you know, I just, I can't, I still can't, I, I can't sit here and tell you, oh, I'm worried about, you know, could you, do you think we could please have a little bit of little Caesars bowl, sir? Can we have some more? <laughs> no, no, this is still a team that should be looking at, you know, a music city bowl berth that should be, you know, maybe if you get things going, maybe you're looking at a citrus bowl berth. This is a team that is talented enough to go out there and do these things. Maybe they won't actually get there, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm worried about whether or not Indiana is going to make it to a bowl game. Because like you said, you've got Maryland, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue. Those are four games you should win. Maybe they are must-wins, and Indiana in must-win games over the course of history is, it's not great, but 
I mean, you look at these teams. I mean, Maryland has shown some things at times, but uh, look at what happened against Iowa. They got yeah. whooped worse than the Hoosiers did, and they got whooped. You know, it, it just – you look at Rutgers. I'm more concerned about whether Greg Schiano is going to accidentally give the whole team MRSA. Uh, you look <laughs> at Minnesota. Tanner Morgan is existing. He's there. Um, Tanner Morgan, see you later, Tanner. You're not that great. Purdue, um, is Jeff Brom even going to have a job there this time next year? That's a good question that a lot of people are asking. You know, these are games that Indiana should, by and large, win. Uh, so at at the time, I'm more worried about is Indiana going to be playing in you know Detroit, or is Indiana going to be playing in Nashville, or is Indiana going to be playing in Florida? I'm not so worried quite yet i'm not ready to pull the fire alarm on this season for the indiana hoosiers and maybe it's maybe i'm an optimist but i i have some sort of belief that all of these players that we know are good aren't gonna be bad for the rest of the season i have some sort of belief that you know tom allen is going to do something to get this figured out i i don't know what it's going to take but maybe it's like hoisting Nick Sheridan up the flagpole by his underpants and telling him to start calling some quick passing plays, sir, please. I, we don't want to have to give you a wedgie. Just call a one read pass to a tight end more than three times in five weeks. I beg you. It's, it's wild looking, but I'm just looking at our schedule uh, coming into the season, the game, everybody had circled as the toughest game was Ohio state. Now, having some context a month into the season, that's IU's fourth toughest game. I would say the three teams they played are better than uh, than Ohio State. So uh, I, I can't remember an IU season like this. The Big Ten East is always brutal. Um, I thought IU was getting a bit of a favor playing Iowa and not Wisconsin this season. Boy, was I wrong. Um, but this is... This is a brutal schedule. The hope also, if IU just gets to six wins, this is a, ho a hope that is never going to come to fruition. The Big Ten certainly owes us after last season, <laughs> and you would hope that they would put us in over some other teams in a, a bigger bowl game. Maybe it's a return to the pinstripe bowl and we can exercise some demons there, but um, the hope is that you get to six wins and the Big Ten throws us a bone uh, we'll see. I'm also an optimist. I ultimately think six wins is the floor of where this team would get. I'm not ruling out a win next week against Michigan State. I'm, I'm not that crazy about Michigan State, but I mean, they're number 11, so maybe, maybe it's just me, but we'll see. Uh, but six wins is still kind of my floor for, for where this team will be. Thanks again, guys, as always, for making Locked on Hoosiers your first listen every day. We'll be back on Friday uh, to talk a little bit more, maybe about the defense, just to rave about them, because honestly, we focus so much on the offense that I just want to rain praise on the defense for how incredible they've been this season. Uh, now, for your second listen today, head on over to the Locked on Big Ten podcast with Nate Dickinson. Uh, I don't know that we'll be on there this week, but we should be on there either on Friday or next week to just talk about IU and where they stand. Uh, as always, leave a rating and review wherever you guys are listening to podcasts. 
Uh, Austin, thank you a ton for coming on and talking about this uh, miserable first five weeks of the season. You guys can follow him, as you can see on the screen on YouTube. Uh, there is his Twitter at for you guys. Uh, as I said, we'll be back on Friday to talk about the defense and then head into a peaceful weekend for once this season. Uh, follow us on Twitter if you haven't already. Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review, all that fun stuff. Have a great Thursday, everybody, and Elio.